Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a poetic arc, launching a poetry book with me. Yay! <laughs> so, Joy made me do an interview thing. So here we are. Of course I did, because I want everybody to hear just how amazing this is. And I'm super excited. And so I'm going to be geeking out tonight. but before we get into this really embarrassing interview let's talk about our creative weeks joy what did you do okay so this week i was able finally to kind of get a handle on some of my social media stuff kind of um you know prepping ahead through the rest of april we had our QWERTY newsletter, which came out today. So if you guys have not signed up for that yet, it comes out just once a month um, on the third Thursday. And the link for that for you guys to subscribe is in our show notes. So be sure to hop on there. Um, we're excited about, you know, just adding some different things and doing some new things with it as we go. Um, finding ways to interact with you guys a little bit more. Um, so we're really excited about it. So, yeah hop in there. And I think though that the biggest like creative thing for my week, <clears throat> I'm pretty excited about it. I put together some library packets. And so, really? yes. So this is like, I don't know why it's taken me this long. And I've always like libraries have always been a big part of my focus with, with my books and everything like that. And I've been speaking and doing presentations and workshops for my library for a while. Um, but I just decided, you know what, I think I need to be doing more, um, trying to reach out to some other libraries that I've been part of over the years and just other libraries in my nearby vicinity. So mm-hmm. um, thanks to a great uh, workshop that was part of the Women in Publishing Summit, uh, I got some really good ideas from that. And decided to go ahead and pull together some packets. So tomorrow I am headed to Orange Beach, Alabama uh, to visit my amazing sister. And I get to go to that adorable little library, which I used to go to, like when my kids were little, we would take them for the story times there sometimes and things like that. So I thought, well, I'm going to be there anyway. So let me pop in and um, talk to some of the people there and leave them a little packet. So. And the beautiful part of that, too, is that I don't know if there'll be anybody who's there from your childhood, but you have the story to share, too, of how that library was so influential in your in your life. So that's yeah. such a great, great story. And library packets. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know. I know. I don't know why <laughs> I'm just now doing this. Like, it, it's kind of like, honestly, it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, well, duh. Like, <laughs> why haven't I already done this? And I mean, I kind of... I kind of had to some extent because like I had I had my bookstore packets and I had um, packets like digital packets that I would send mm-hmm. to 
book reviewers and things like that, but I hadn't really packaged it up um, specifically for the libraries. So um, it was, honestly, it was a pretty simple thing to put together because it's stuff that I've, I've already got, you know, and just pulling it all together and having it available. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. That's wonderful. <laughs> so tell us about your creative week. Um, so I've been working on the illustrations for the poetry book and Yay. finalized uh, the draft of the cover with the cover designer. Oh. And she's got the text of everything in the in her hands. And so she's working on that. We decided, like, what type of font we want to use Sarah. Or sans serif <laughs> differences. So, like, that is so much fun. I'm a total font like dork. Yeah. Well, she. Uh, well, we only decided it, that we wanted sans serif, but so I don't know what kind of fonts that she's actually chosen yet. I think um, that's going to be a fun, a fun topic of conversation or a good email to get because it'll be, I'll be super geeky about it. Okay. But. Uh, so the, the illustrations are, they have, there's a process to the illustrations. And so I'm in some, four of them are finished and they <laughs> and are like gorgeous. ready to go. And then I've got about three that are not finished. They're like <coughs> kind of in that three fourths percent. It's a, um, like the fraction. <laughs> was that? 75%. They're like yeah. 75% done. And then there's some that are like 25% done. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. But I'm really proud of them from, from like conception to final product. I'm, I'm very proud of them. So. As you should be. They really are just stunning. They really are. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm super pleased. And I'm, I'm using some of the tools that I've just had like sitting in my craft room or in my loft area that I've not used before. And they've just been there for years. And I'm like, oh. I'm going to use this now. So nice. So I have to, I have to scan them in black and white, but I've actually thought about maybe some of them adding some color to after the scanning process is done. Ooh. So figure out what I'm going to do with the original prints is going to be interesting too. So wow. yeah. that's what I've been working on creatively. <laughs> There's been a lot of other crazy things happening, but we don't have to talk about those. <laughs> so. I know it it really just amazes me how you have been able to keep up with you know pushing forward on this project with everything that has happened in the last couple of months for you and I'm just floored by it and you're also doing such an amazing um I mean you're giving 100% to it so it's just amazing well it's a, it's a bit cathartic too during this time so if you get the newsletter, <laughs> yeah. the QWERTY newsletter, you'll kind of see a little note about why it's cathartic and how art can actually help you through hard times. Um, so sign up for that newsletter. Um, <laughs> but also it's the, the poetry book is about grief and I'm in the middle of grieving. So it's good for me to work on this and it's also good for me to remember that I've been through this before and that there is hope at the end of it even though it hurts really bad right now so and I know that's a big thing that we're going to talk about tonight when we're talking about your book is kind of a poetic arc and I think that this was kind of a big 
uh, turning point for you when you realized that your poetry book had an arc to it. Yeah, it was a surprise, actually. Um, And it was interesting, too, because I thought it was done so many times. And looking back now, it's like, oh, I was just finishing a stage. I was just finishing a step, you know, (laughs) into getting to a place of understanding. And uh, and I wasn't there yet. And you could totally tell in the poetry as well, because it was, you know, and we got to, there's... And we didn't get to a, a good, like, not happily ever after, but maybe happy right now, happily right now kind of situation. We never got to any kind of closure. It was all this open-ended, bleeding, raw stuff. And so I don't think that I had lived through an, enough of it to really, really capture an experience that you could call not complete because grief is iterative. It's just over and over again, mm-hmm. but um, enough of it to get through all of the cycles in order to get back to the beginning and, and you know, to get into that circle. So I think that that had to be lived and experienced and done before I could capture the emotions and the poems. So. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so for anyone who isn't aware of what your book is about, maybe mm-hmm. we should kind of tell a little bit about that before we continue with this. Um, so your book is titled Grief <laughs> Like a River. And yeah, thanks, Joy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm just like, I'm just like digging in and we should probably <laughs> do some of this introductory stuff. <laughs> Well, that's totally my fault because I was so excited and I just hopped right in and I just, <laughs> anyway, but it's okay. You're caught up now. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. Now we're going to tell you a little bit more about the book. So yeah, just kind of share a little bit about what the book is about, what the poems are about. Yeah. So Grief Like a River is the name of the poetry book and Grief Like a River is the the beginning poem and the ending poem. So and it's actually the same poem but it's split up into two parts. So you have the beginning of the arc and the ending of the arc and that to that place of understanding and it's so interesting because I couldn't I couldn't feel good about it until I had the first and the last poem. And so I had all of this stuff jumbled up in the middle, but I was like, no, it's not going to work. It's not right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then here comes, here comes grief like a river and I'm feeling I'm really good about it. But anyway, <laughs> so what, what the book is, is, well, let me tell you what the book is not. The book is not a solution to grief. It's not, this is how you grieve. It's not, um, it's not a self-help book in that way. It's basically an experience that's been captured and split into six different sections to express the difference stages of grief and healing and hurting that I've been through. And um, what I'm hoping from this book is that there is somebody who is either in the middle of this or who has gotten to this place of understanding and, but, but needs a a community or someone, you know, some, someone to say, yeah, I've been there too. So that's what this is more. It's, it's like holding somebody's hand through it rather than, you know, 
giving advice and <laughs> and that sort of thing. It's not a solution. It's not a miracle cure. It's just companionship, really. So, yeah. in poetry. <laughs> does that help? It does. It so does. And you, I have had the, the privilege and the honor of reading these poems and of seeing many of them from the beginning and watching you through this process. And I can tell you guys, these, these poems are beautiful and they are, um, they're exactly what your intention is. They are, you know, words to comfort and words to walk alongside. And yeah. So I, for one, am so thankful that you are sharing your journey with others through these words. Um, because I know, I know that they will be helpful and they will be um, a comfort to many other people. And so I'm excited for, for them to be out in the world. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, that's exactly what I'm hoping it will be. And, you know, they're not all pretty, you know. Mm. In fact, there are some that you know, it captures an emotion that I'm in a, in a moment in time that I'm not super proud of in some cases, you know, if, if I were to go back and rewrite some of these or add an ending, I can maybe talk about how, um, how that just wasn't right <laughs> and how much I've grown since then. But I love how poetry, um, captures the emotion at that moment and that's important, I think, because there are people out there, I would imagine, who are feeling things that they would not normally feel in bitter, kind of selfish even ways that they would not normally feel them. And maybe to see that somebody else is feeling something this similar, that would be a comfort. And also, if you go through the whole book, you can also see how there is a place of understanding not necessarily of rightness and you know correction for the wrongs and all that, but a place of understanding that could come, you know, after these feelings. And I just, I just wanted to honor that. Like they're they're not all pretty and they're not all, um, they're not all socially acceptable, but they're real. Yeah, and we have them, and so, yeah. <laughs> I went through a lot of this alone, and um, I think that I, I don't I don't want people to have to be alone. <laughs> so, I don't know if that makes any sense, but this is the only way that I can provide like companionship to people I don't know. So, right, and I think that that heart <clears throat> really shines through in your words and just in the in the book as a whole and really through everything that you do the way that you are online and when you interact with people um, that really shines through that you want to be there for others in those ways that perhaps you wish someone had been there for you in certain seasons yeah I think so and I think too that it kind of helps um, it helps with the healing process as well. Like maybe I didn't go through this for no reason at all. Let, let me get one more deep question and then let's go back to like the kind of overarching, the arcs and the things that we see throughout your writing and everything. So 
if you were to give kind of a summary of what you've learned about grief over your lifetime, could you could you come up with some sort of a summary? And if so, how does that understanding and that knowledge kind of permeate throughout all of your your poetry, really, and especially the poetry in this book? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so first of all, I don't think that I could have published this book before December. Not that I was struck by lightning or anything in December and I was just like, what? But I didn't write part two of Grief Like a River until December when we went on our writing retreat. So I didn't really know what the culmination of of everything that I had learned was until I wrote that poem. And that's one of the things about poetry is that, or any kind, any kind of healing kind of wound writing. Poetry is my wound writing <laughs> method of choice, I guess. And, uh, and that's how it comes out. It just comes out that way. The, the epiphany about grief for me was that it's not out to get you. Uh, it's not a vindictive, malicious thing that's trying to pull you down and bring you under. It's not that. Um, it's, well, you know, I guess the best way to tell you would be from the lines of the poem. Yay. So I guess I'm, I can read that part of it. Because I'm trying to be like, how am I going to say this? Well, I've already said it really well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, anyway, the... The river is a wild, unpredictable thing. It rises and lowers, spreads and shrinks. It doesn't control the creatures in it, native or immigrant. It only provides for them. Sometimes it provides things they do not need. Even if the river dries to only morning dew and dust, the scar of it remains in the earth. If the circumstance were prime, it could fill again. And that would be okay, because I know why it flows now. It misses, it yearns, it seeks, it distresses, and sometimes it regrets. But mostly it loves and doesn't know how to handle it. And I think that that's grief. I think that grief is a form of love and it doesn't know how to handle it. (laughs) So generally when we lose people or we lose things or we lose a part of ourselves or you know we we don't know what to do with with it and it's just a sign that we loved and that 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 person or that entity that we loved is now gone so where do we where do we put all of this stuff and so that's that's really like the big epiphany that I had for for grief is that it wasn't this evil thing. It was just this sad thing that didn't know what to do. So that kind of helped me put things into perspective. And then the other, there were two really big epiphanies, I think, for for this. Another one was that you can grieve things that are not death of a person. And that was a concept that I never even considered. Like I thought that I was being selfish or I was being, I don't know, petty or something when I would be sad about something. 
So, and actually <laughs> I had to have a little help with this. So I was going to therapy <laughs> and, um, and you know, as therapists do, they like dig into your childhood and, and the things that really hurt and you're like, ah, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I have repressed that so well. <laughs> I'm just going to dig it back up. <laughs> but uh, so I was telling her about something that she had asked about. And and she asked me, she was like, and how did you grieve that? And I was like, what do you mean nobody died? So I don't understand the question. And she was like, well, you know, because of this, you lost this piece of innocence. and Or you lost this... Um, this aspect of your self identity Hmm. and, and how did you grieve that? And I was, I literally told her, I was like, I don't understand the question. (laughs) I don't, you, you can grieve that. (laughs) So uh, I got, I got to thinking about that and I got to thinking about all of these things that had happened. It's like, you know what, maybe I'm not selfish and maybe I'm not petty. And maybe these things are really things that have defined who I am and has, has shaped the person that I've turned into. And maybe some of those things do need to be grieved. Well, and then the next the next question is, well, how do you grieve? And there's a poem called Five in the Metal Cage. And, and that is literally like a conversation that, that I had with, with, a, with a therapist that was like, how do, how do you grieve again? Like, I don't know. And that was really hard for me because I had done so much repression and I had done so much fake in it. And I had done, um, when you grow up in the South as a woman, you're, you're supposed to be all smiles and you're supposed to, you know, put everybody else in front of you. And what happens to you doesn't really matter. (laughs) And so when you treat your emotions and everything like that, and you don't acknowledge them and you don't process them and you don't cry, like then you don't move forward and it all just starts building up and building up and building up. And that's not what we want. Yeah. So I guess you could say that grief like a river is me learning how to process emotion. And I love too that you don't you don't always answer the questions. You know, I don't like, know all the answers. Yeah, the well, and and none of us do. And I think that that's that's the beautiful part about this is that none of us have the end all be all answer to how do you grieve. And I think that that's good to be able to see that that really is the case because a lot of times we trick ourselves into thinking that, Oh, there is this one answer and, and someone else must have it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm always looking for an easy button. I spend more time looking for that easy button than actually dealing with things sometimes. So this is not an easy button. And I think that's one reason why I kind of went into at the beginning of this. It's like, this is not like a solution. This is not a self-help poetry book. This is, (laughs) this is just, (laughs) this is just saying you're not alone if you feel this way. So through this process, I think that there has been, not only is there a beautiful arc to the poetry in this book, I think that there has been a large arc in 
this even becoming what it is today. So can you share mm -hmm. just a little bit about you know, how this started? Like, where did these some of these poems yeah. begin? And how did it change? And why has it become what it is? Yeah, well, I, I think they began with grief. First of all, um, one of the first poems that I wrote is Where Blood Cannot Venture, mm -hmm. and that is for uh, about my father-in-law. And so he passed away in 2011, and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't write about him. Every time I'd try to write, I would just like just end up sobbing at a keyboard. So <laughs> that, that, wasn't, that wasn't good. So, <laughs> but I wanted to honor him in some way, and I, the the thing that we did was we made things like that's what we did. He was an amazing craftsman and, um, and he made beautiful furniture and sculpted flowers out of copper. And he was just an amazing man and he built beautiful houses and we talked a lot about creativity. Um, I couldn't weld, but I could write. And so uh, first I started trying to write a short story and I got like three lines into it and I was like, Argh. <laughs> sobbing and, and I was it was it felt really contrived and I was like okay so now's not today's not the day <laughs> that we're gonna start this it was probably like three or four months later that I tried again and I was it came out as poetry so that's one of the first ones that came out so I'm holding this poem that I'm really proud of um, and that is like this tribute in a way to our relationship and um just how hard it was to say goodbye to him. And um, and then Joy and I met again, like re-met in 2016. And 2017 was my year of overcoming. Actually, 2016, 2017 was my year of overcoming fear. And so what I was going to do is I had all this planned out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those plans. <laughs> oh, those plans. Exactly. So what I was going to do is like, oh, I have these poems and stuff. So I'm going to make a poetry chat book and I will finish this thing. And then I will know what it's like to finish. And then I will, you know, send it out into the world and it'll be amazing. And all of these things. So it was first called, I can't say this to your face, which is indicative of some of the poetry that was inside of there as well. Also, I knew that there wasn't a great arc in there or a theme or anything. It was just a bunch of poetry poems put together and, uh, I couldn't see the theme. I will tell you there was a theme, uh, but I couldn't see the theme, which kind of tells you that you're a little bit too close to it. You're kind of in the middle of things and maybe you need to step back a minute and maybe try not to publish things whenever you don't exactly what they are so um so then I did a poetry reading in 2017 and read one of the poems that was in there and my um, my mentor Allison Chestnut and good friend I love her so much hi Allison um she uh, I got, got the guts because remember it's the year of overcoming fear right I got the guts to tell her that I had a poetry book and I would really love for her to read it and tell me what she thought. And she literally said, you got it with you? And I was like, yeah. She was like, let's go. And <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. And I was, I started sweating, of course, because that's what I do when I'm nervous. And, um, and I went and got it and we sat on a couch and she read every line. She read it out loud. And I was like, wow. so embarrassed. <laughs> but also like, 
And she, every once in a while, she grabbed my arm. She was like, that is such a good line. I'm kind of hate you (laughs) that you wrote it and not me. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) So she's going through it and everything. So when she gets to the end of it, she was like, this is what I think. She's like, I think you've titled it maybe the wrong thing. And what I see here in all of your poems is just like this really sad devotion. And she's like, I think that maybe you should call it something like devotion in a minor key or something. And I was like, devotion in a minor key, you say. And also theme, you say. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of morphed at that point in time. She kind of helped me realize that, yes, all of these are about devotion in a way that is – Hopeful and sad all at the same time because, you know, a lot of this is about grief, too. And at the time, it was a lot of poems that was about grief, too. And, you know, sometimes you can't fix devotion that's gone wrong whenever someone's not here. So uh, so I started looking at the poems and everything through that filter. And I was trying to see what I could write that would maybe highlight that and go through which made me have to dig deeper into the feelings and that sort of thing um thankfully I got into therapy too and that worked out really really well and then the devotion from a minor key kind of turned into well this is really a lot about grief like strictly grief this is this is a character arc because you know I write prose too and we we prep these things for our stories. Like we prep character arcs, things that our, our people have to go through. <laughs> and like an ideal at the end of it, right? So that actually took me a really long time to figure out. So that took a few years to figure out. But once I figured out the character arc and the, the main sections, then things really took off for the poetry book. And I would think about things and I'd write things and I'd be like, oh, this falls under this section. And I'd write something else. Oh, this is, this is immersion. Like, this is, <laughs> uh, it's really interesting when you can start identifying your emotional mindsets and things that you have to go through for that. So that was kind of the evolution at first. It was like this angry poetry. And then it was like, oh, I'm just really sad that this is the way that things are. Yeah, and um, and then it turned into grief and um, being able to identify grief in different ways and and then wanting to help people because the things that I've learned really helped my life be better, just be better. And we can get stuck there, can't we? Like we can yeah. really get stuck there. So I don't want anybody to get stuck. Yeah. I think one of the first ones that you might have read was the um, Where Blood Cannot Venture mm-hmm. about my father-in-law. And, and I don't still think I found... one of my favorites. <laughs> Thanks. But I don't think I found the right ending until mm-hmm. just a few months ago. Yeah. So poetry is evolving, too, as we as we go. Because I remember one of your first critiques on that one. It's like, it just doesn't feel like it's ended. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's stopped. And I, you know, that's something that I've always been, that I've been thinking about. And it's like, yeah, cause I don't know how to end it. Has it ended? And do I know how I feel about this? I don't even know. Like, it's just, it did just stop because I think that that's where I stopped. 
And then when I got to that point where I didn't know, I just kind of progressed. And so the ending of that now is something that is, it just kind of completes the tribute, I think, in a way that I couldn't have done even in 2016. Yeah. We uh, have just a couple more questions for you. And the first thing, though, is I want you to share with everybody a little bit about where you are in the process because you're kind of coming up to the actual publication of this and you're you're kind of in that stage of everything. Um, so just share with us a little bit about that and a little bit about your publishing choice, too, because that's something that, that also changed over this process. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be traditionally published first. And then I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then I didn't. And then I didn't. Well, and it's not really anything to do with traditionally published stuff other than the fact that it's really slow. Mm. And I didn't want to hold on to this for that long. Mm. And this was really just a personal choice. It wasn't really a professional like career choice for me. It didn't have much to do with like, Oh, I get more royalties if I do this or because this is, this is not that kind of project. This is a a project that's supposed to help people. And it's something that I know it's not going to be like, it's not going to sell a majillion copies and all these things. But I just wanted it. You don't know. It could. I mean, it could. It totally could. Uh, but it most likely won't. Let's just be honest, because we don't even know how many a bajillion is. So <laughs> true. We have to set like good goals. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I I did try to submit when it was a uh, poetry baby, and it was still I can't say this to your face, and that didn't work out well, and it was really stressful. It was very like constant anxiety and that sort of thing. I was like, this is not how I want to live my life. So I did have people who were like, this should be like, you should submit this. You should do this. You should, you know, go traditional, like the accolades and the things that you can get with these um, poems would be amazing. And it would, you know, you know, all of these things, but honestly, they are very emotional poems. They're not things that I want to revisit over and over and over and over again. Um, in, unless they're needed, you know? So I don't mind doing it if they're needed, but it's, it's not something that I'm, I don't want to do like an international tour or anything like that with grief, like a river. I just want it to be there for somebody who needs a friend in in a hard time. So that's why I chose self-publishing because I am self-publishing though. I've gotten to do a couple of things. First of all, I've gotten to to continue with the illustrations because I'm I don't know I don't know how that would be handled in a traditional situation, but I'm feeling like they really wouldn't want to wait for me to to finish the illustrations. They could potentially publish the book without them or something. I don't know. Or hire an illustrator or something. I don't know. But because I've chosen self publishing, I'm I'm able to take this time and um, I have not released an, a date anyway publicly, so I felt okay with pushing back my personal date and doing this the way that I think it should be done and, and done well and how I want it to be. Because when you're spending this much time and effort into it, you really should have it done the way that you want it to be done. So that's one good thing about self-publishing. 
the second good thing about self-publishing is that uh, when you're writing a book about grief and you end up very meta in the midst of grief and um, and you start processing that through poetry again, then sometimes those poems get put into your book about grief. <laughs> so I've been able to add some poems that have come up before. Um, from my grandmother, who was an amazing woman. And if you listened to the rerun of the International Women's Month, you can hear about her. So I, talked to her I talked about her in that episode. And um, so I got to write about her and give her a tribute in this, in this beautiful book. And I also got to, you know, I don't even really know what to say yet about my mother-in-law. I'm still processing that. It was um it was a big surprise. And so my grandmother was 93, so we were we were already kind of thinking that it might come one day. <laughs> but um my mother-in-law was only 61. Yeah, that's going to take a minute. There are a couple of poems in there that are regards to the situation with her, but they're not about her. That makes sense. There, there aren't, the words aren't there yet for how wonderful she was and what an impact she had. So, yeah, but that's what you can do when you self-publish is you can alter your text and you can add things in there and you can all the way up to the publishing date and even after. So it's true. That is true. So would you be willing to read another one of your poems? Perhaps one of these new ones? Yes. Yes, I would. I would love to. Yay. <laughs> I spoke of my grandmother. So I guess I could read that one. Does that yes. sound good? That or one is like so the... beautiful. Okay. So this bore from something I tried to do whenever I was driving down to her, to her funeral. Um, I was passing her house. And I had my youngest son in the car with me and I was like, I'm just going to pull him and pull up because it won't be a part of our family in the near future. So I was like, I'll just stop here for a little bit and see if I can find that camellia tree and see if it's still there that I used to play under when I was a kid. And then I had one of my kids with me and I thought, well, you know, it'll be fun. And I'll take some pictures and just be for a second on, on the family land. And, um, so I pull in, and I'm thinking that's my goal. Like I was gonna, gonna have this healing moment, right? It's a very romantic thought. So I pull in, and my mother calls me, and she's like, "Hey, where are you?" Yeah. I'm, like, I'm at the land. I'm gonna have a moment. You know, a very sweet moment. And she's like, "I really wanted the amarilla bulbs." <laughs> Okay, I think I got some boxes in my car. If I can find a shovel, I'll, I'll dig up those amarillo bulbs for you. No problem. <laughs> Have my moment. I'm gonna dig up some bulbs. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> and so I get off the phone and I start walking around. And about 30 seconds later, my cousin calls me and she's like, "Hey, your mama just called me and told told me that you're at the land." <laughs> And I'm like, yes, I'm having a moment. 
what part of moment don't you guys understand? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, so can I come? <laughs> yeah. Come, come on. So um, a couple of minutes she came and her kids were there and our kids had a great time playing on, on the land and stuff. And we dug up those amarillo bulbs. I found a shovel. Strangely, <laughs> I found the shovel. And, um, but I did notice that the camellia tree was not there and then it was gone. So, um, so that's kind of where this poem came from. So this is called Camellia Blooms and You. And that's really because I couldn't think of a better title. So if you think of one, email us. <laughs> Your house had an aging camellia bush in the yard. So tall, I thought it was a tree. When I was young, I sat underneath the deep pink flowers, speckling the rich mass of leaves. The blossoms fallen on the grass drew my sight away, though. It was sad to me that they weren't with their sisters, so I held them up, bringing them closer to the others. I couldn't make them stay on the branches. The dew made them heavy and slick. That's when I noticed the fallen blooms had a lovely brown color contrasting the pink. I crouched again and dreamed I was a Japanese empress, adventuring. Dressed in a silk kimono, the colors of dying camellia petals. I crowned my head with the blooms and warmed to the idea. You weren't usually home when the camellias bloomed. You truly were a Japanese empress, adventuring. Your skin, though, was the same lovely brown as the fallen camellia flower and you painted your cheeks the same deep pink, and your laugh was as rich as the mass of leaves there. You weren't usually home, no, but you returned with the sweltering days of summer, arms spread wide. I came back to your house today, expecting to note, now that I'm full grown, that the camellia was not a tree, at my, as my fledgling mind thought. I expected to hold dying flowers in my hands again and to conjure a flickering vision of the silk kimono. But someone cut it down. Not out of spite or contempt, I think. It's just gone now. Maybe its roots grew weary or its rings threatened to burst through the bark. Or maybe its final bloom fell, and that was that. No matter the reason, it, like you, are gone. All that is left to feel is quiet sorrow. But I would like to petition the wind, if I could, to carry my grateful, aching whisper to you both. That's so beautiful. I love the imagery. I mean, I I see the camellias and I see your grandmother in that poem. That's beautiful. Yeah. An absolutely beautiful tribute. Thank you. Thank you. Um she was super special. <laughs> so, 
So I wanted to, I'm so, I'm really thankful that it wasn't at print because there is something special about that particular poem being in the book. And I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I'm thankful that the words came out the way that they did. I don't know if that's, I don't know about all that. I don't know how they come out and the muse and all the magic that comes with creativity, but I think it's fitting. <laughs> yeah. I think it came together perfectly for that. Yeah. As we've kind of talked for a while now about your book and everything, um, obviously this is, we're still in National Poetry Month, so we're right at the end of that. Um, and it's just been such a delight. You know, every year we love to talk about National Poetry Month because both of us love poetry. Um, you're such a phenomenal poet. And so it's always been a very special month for us. And so to be able to kind of conclude this with really focusing in on your book, Grief Like a River, um, and talking about that was, was special. It was something that I'm glad that we're able to do. So I have one final question for you. Um, and that is, what is your biggest goal or hope or dream for your first poetry book baby <laughs> as it launches out into the world? I, I hope that this book helps people. Uh, and I hope it'll be a really cool kind of interesting thing, like on my backlist whenever I start writing and publishing prose and, and novels and, and things like that. So I guess that's not a lot of reaching for the stars kind of stuff, but that's what I have. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> I think that that's the best goal that you can possibly have for a book. I think it's perfect. So, yay. And I do, I got to tell you, like, I think I'll do it again. Like, I think I do, I'll do another poetry book. Yeah. And I, when I first started this, I was like, nope, this is a one and done. We're, yeah, <laughs> we're here. But um, I've kind of fallen in love with it a bit. Yeah. So, and I, uh, in the middle of all of this, they're not all going to be about grief, by the way. <laughs> so. <laughs> But I have come up with some other ideas for poetry books that interest me. And so there might be some in the future as well. Ooh, I'm very excited mm -hmm. to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> Could you perhaps send us off with a little courty challenge to go into the rest of the week? Yeah, yeah, I can. So this poetry book is a lot about healing through writing. And it's something that I truly believe in. So if there is something that you're going through, um, whether you are going through something sad or you can be happy too, like any kind of strong emotional feelings and you don't know how to process it or you are just thinking about it, um, I encourage you to try to create with it. So you can try to write a poem or you can journal and then that journal could end up being a part of some sort of decoupage or something like that or mixed media art or um, or you could make a painting or something like that. But just try to express that through creativity, through art. My preference is writing in these kind of situations. So if you don't know what your creative medium is yet, go and listen back to our episode on creative, finding your creative medium, and then come back to this challenge. Yeah. <laughs> or you can even experiment different creative mediums with this challenge and just see what, what really resonates with you. But 
uh, I, sometimes we live in our, we live in our heads and our emotions are, are all kind of just jumbled up there, but being able to express that through creativity kind of helps streamline and helps us identify what is actually happening inside of our crazy little heads sometimes. And I think that uh, if this challenge might help you figure some things out and if it does, Oh my goodness, please let us know. Or if it doesn't, you can tell me that I'm full of poop, too, if you want. Um, but, <laughs> but we'd love to hear from you either way. So. That's the best. <laughs> you can send that email directly to me so I can chuckle. <laughs> and if you want to know, like, when the book is actually going to come out, that'll go out to my newsletter first. So if you want to sign up for the newsletter, is I don't I don't do it very often because I'm doing a lot of other things too. So it ends up coming out about once a month, and uh, that's at storyswell.net. It's right there on the homepage. You can just pop in your email address there and push go. That's also a community for storytellers and story lovers. So you're welcome to hang out and read some blog posts and comment and tell me about your favorite stories too. I'd love that. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, for reading some of your poetry and for just sharing a little bit about the story behind this beautiful, beautiful book. Well, thank you for pushing me and making me do this. So I know I tend <laughs> I to do that. Enlightening. <laughs> well, I hope that it was good mm-hmm. for you and you don't hate me forever, but I really wanted you to do this. No, I don't hate you at all. And you know what's so interesting too is that I really do love backstory on yeah. authors and artists and people that I like. Is their you know their creative works and stuff. So if somebody likes my creative works, then maybe they're happy with this episode. Um, hi guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I do like this kind of thing. It's just a little awkward talking about yourself so yeah. much. <laughs> so. I totally get that. But you weren't just talking about yourself. You're talking about your poetry and and all of the things that made that poetry what it is. So. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. And what made it what it is, is human experience and trying to live a life. And that's nothing that we need to be embarrassed about. So thanks for making me do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that that wraps us up for this week. So you guys have a fantastic week. And go make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think pretty writing life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting partywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.